Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This message is from one of our partners in NCMI, New Covenant Ministries International. For more messages like this, please see our website, www.venturechurch.co.za. We hope you enjoy this apostolic input into the life of Venture Church. Well, hello, Venture Church. I bring you greetings from the UK. It's so good to be able to spend some time with you this morning. Thank you so much to Francis and Nadine and the elders that have given me the opportunity just to share with you this morning. I've had this message on my heart for a couple of weeks now, and I trust that you're going to be blessed by it. I want to talk about abiding in Christ this morning, abiding in Christ. And for those of you that don't know me, my name is Andrew. I'm married to a beautiful wife called Jackie. We have two kids, Tyron and Sarah. And uh, we used to live in Bryanston, just down the road. And uh, on the 29th of January last year, uh, two days after my 50th birthday, we moved to Northwich in the UK. I mean, who does that? I mean, that is absurd. This is ridiculous. Who, who at the age of 50 sells everything and relocates to the other side of the world? Uh, well, it wasn't a midlife crisis, I can promise you. It was because God very specifically told us to come to the UK. We do miss Africa. We miss um, Bryanston. We miss uh, South Africa. And uh, But we are in the perfect will of God. You know, that's the safest place to be is in the perfect will of God. That's a word for someone in the church there. The safest place to be is in the perfect will of God. Just the other day, I was reading out of Mark 4, where Jesus says to his disciples, says, let's get in the boat and go across to the other side. And so uh, Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. And so he put his head on the pillow and he fell asleep. And obviously we know the story. A big storm came up and the disciples were petrified. And they woke Jesus up and said, aren't you afraid that we're going to sink and all drown? And Jesus said, oh, you have little faith. I think, you know, if the disciples had just clung on to Jesus, well, he's the master. Nothing's going to happen to him. Let's hold on to him. When we are in the presence of God, when we are in that perfect place, where we are abiding in Christ, it's the most secure, safe place to be. To be in the perfect will of God is the safest place to be. doesn't matter what's going on around you. doesn't matter if there's a storm brewing and things are happening and there's COVID and there's riots and there's all sorts of things. doesn't matter when we are abiding in Christ, when we're in Christ. That's the safest place. When you're in his perfect world, it's the safest place to be. So um, just to tell you a little bit about our church, we uh, we came across here, transitioned to church uh, in Northwich. Northwich is um, halfway between Liverpool and Manchester. There's three sort of cities in the north or northwest of, of England. It's uh, Liverpool, Manchester and Chester. And we're right in the middle of those. And it's a beautiful little town. And um, we, have a, we have a great church and uh, we're having fun. It hasn't all been just easy. It's been some tough times, but, but it's been fun. We're enjoying our, our time here. We are abiding in Christ. We, we're trying to desperately to hear God and to do what he's called us to do. And we've seen some breakthrough. We've seen some miracles. We've seen God doing stuff, people adding to the church. And so, uh, yeah, we are having a great time. But I think we are living as a church, I believe we're living in the most exciting time in all of history. This is the most exciting time that you and I are living in. And I, and I believe that, that we are 
on the the wave is about a break of revival and 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 healings and people coming to Jesus the greatest revival ever to take place i believe we are living in those times right now see i think god has got so much more for you and i and more than we could ever ask or imagine i think god has got so much more in store for his church his bride the church universal but for venture church and for connection church where we are I think God, and the reason I know that is because in Ephesians 3, verse 20, Paul writes this. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. You see, everything of God, everything God does is good. In fact, his, his very nature is good. And uh, scripture tells us that he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. He's chosen us and adopted us as sons and as daughters that we are his workmanship created to do good works for him. And if he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, we are his handiwork. We are his craftsmanship. You know what that means? That means... God doesn't make things by error. It's not slapdash, put this. No, we're uniquely crafted in God's image to do works that he has created in advance for us to do. And so you are of infinite value to our Father in heaven. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, you are of infinite value to our Father. Because you are. You know, the tragedy is that when sin entered the world through Adam, we now live in a broken world and and i believe that many believers and many people in the world just live in that set of brokenness and and desperation but it was never god's intention and whenever god makes us he makes us precious and valuable in his sight so much so that you know he he sent his son to redeem us out of our situation and we are saved out of that situation, out of that brokenness. And he set it. And there's so much that God has for us. You know, the, the Bible says to us that, that Jesus was marred and beaten and broken beyond recognition. When he hung on that cross, it was virtually unrecognizable. Do you think Jesus would have paid that ultimate price if you weren't valuable to him? Of course he would. You are so valuable to Jesus. I want to tell you a story. There's a, you might have heard this. I heard it the other day and I just love it. I love stories. So I'll give you a couple today. And this is a story about a family who uh, weren't a very wealthy family, but they had this dream that they were going to go on a cruise ship in the Mediterranean. And so as a family, they saved up for a couple of years and gathered their money and they bought the tickets to go onto this cruise. But because the tickets were quite expensive, they didn't have much money for anything else. And and so they packed along with them their food. They put their tins and their cream crackers and their cheese and all their nice things to take on their holiday onto the cruise. And, uh, and they had a wonderful time. It was a week-long cruise in the Mediterranean. And on the last night, the father said to his family, I think let's treat ourselves. We've got enough money. Let's go and have a meal on the ship. And so he went to the steward at, the, at where the dining room was. And he said to the steward, Excuse me, sir, how much will it cost for me to bring my family of five for a meal here? And the steward said, I beg your pardon? He 
said, well, how much is it going to cost to have a meal? The steward said, no, sir. He said, everything is free. He said, everything was included. It was an all-inclusive package. When you bought your ticket, you got everything on the ship. Everything is free. You see, I think so many of us, we, we, we give our lives to Jesus and we, we forget that everything is free. God is in an inclusive passage. Everything is free. God gives us everything. You are so valuable to Jesus. Ephesians 2 verse 6 says this. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us in, with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming age we might show his incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness of Jesus Christ. You know, grace is unmerited favor. You cannot earn it. You cannot work for it. You cannot buy it. No, it's free. Grace is free. God's given us everything in heaven. He has seated us with Christ. So I believe today more than ever before that the church needs to shine and display and reveal more of the glory of God, more of the power of God to display his glory and display his grace to the world around him. But we need to be doing it. You see, we, live, we are so limited and we are finite, but God is unlimited. He's infinite in every aspect of his nature and his character. He's infinite and we need to see that. It's in order for us to live in the fullness of everything that God has for us, we're going to need to make some adjustments in our lives. I want to talk about that today. See, Jesus said, blessed, fortunate, favored are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. He also said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the Holy Spirit. And so we have this capacity. We have the capability to have this unlimited God, God who is limitless in nature and character. We have the capacity to have him living within our hearts. That just blows my mind. I just, I don't even know how to foul that. Because God, who's all powerful and all in every aspect, he is all wisdom and he lives within our hearts. And who wouldn't want that? See, the issue is, how thirsty are you? The issue is, how desperate are you for the more of God to live and to dwell in his presence like that? There are some adjustments that we need to make. The first adjustment is one of complete surrender to God. Let me tell you a little story, second story for this morning. Is that there was this farmer and he was getting on in years and and he had a beautiful farm and, and his neighbor begged him to sell him his hundred acre farm. And um, eventually the old man relented. He was getting on and he said to the young farmer, he said, okay, but there's one condition is that I want to retain one acre of land right in the middle of my farm because, you know, I've lived here all my life and every day I will drive out to that piece of land and, and I would walk across my fields and, and so I want to be able to do that. And so the young farmer was delighted. He thought, well, this is fantastic. He had the papers drawn up. The deed of sale was done. And uh, as the seasons went on, uh, he planted his crops. The new farmer planted his crops. And the old man would get in his truck every day and he would drive across the fields, 
park in his acre of land right in the middle, drink his coffee, watch the sunrise and then drive off his land. And this infuriated the young farmer because he had planted his crops and this guy was driving across his fields and, and wrecking everything. You see, so often we are like that farmer and we give our lives to God, but we retain a patch. We retain an acre in our hearts. We retain a patch in our hearts right in the center. And you know what that does? It gives the devil access to drive across all the good seed and all the good stuff that God has planted in our hearts. And it undoes all of that good. And so we limit the very fruit that God has intended for us. We limit that because we've given devil access to drive across our hearts. You see, we need to surrender to Jesus every part of our heart, every part of our being. That's called lordship. We need to give him every part of our lives, every part of our finances, every part of our marriage, every part of our careers, our possessions, our time, our talent. We need to give God every part of our being, our families, your, your future. And when we let God be part of that in our lives, just wait and see what he does for us. Just wait and see what he does through us. Don't sell yourself short. Don't be selfish. Don't be self-seeking. Don't be small-minded. Don't sell yourself short by withholding from God that part of your heart. We limit God and what he wants to do in our lives by our small thinking and by holding on to stuff. We think that he's incapable of taking care of, of the detail and those small things and the big things. And, and so we, we want to try and help God out. You know how ridiculous that sounds? This is stupid. You know, God who, who created the universe with a word, he created the whole cosmos and the universe. God looked through the corridors of time and he saw you sitting right there where you are at now in South Africa, in this COVID situation. In your situation, in your financial situation, he saw you in your brokenness. He looked through the corridors and he orchestrated all of history and he sent his son to help you, to redeem you and to call you to be his child, to be his son, to be his daughter, because he has great things for you, because he loves you. Do you think God is incapable of taking care of your stuff, your situation? We need to make some adjustments and we need to do that right now. And I'm going to give you an opportunity in a minute. See, it's called repentance. Repentance for limiting God, withholding from God, holding on to that one acre of land. We need to let it go. We need to surrender every part of it. And you might be holding on because of fear. You might be holding on because of the fear of finance or the fear of the future or the, the fear for your family or you might have some addiction that you're holding on to. You might have some unforgiveness in your heart. Someone's offended you and, and you're holding on to that. No, no, we need to release it to God. Whatever it is, let him have it. You see, he not only can forgive us, but he forgets. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, he forgets. So I, I believe, just take a moment now. Whatever it is the Holy Spirit is putting upon your heart, Take a moment now and say, I'm sorry. God, I surrender. I surrender it to you. I surrender every bit to you. See, he is able to take care of the universe. He's able to take care of your stuff. 
Why don't you do that now? The second adjustment I think we need to do, the first is to abide in Christ, is to, is to surrender completely to him, to the Lordship of Jesus. You know the word Lordship in the New Testament is mentioned 747 times. The word Savior is only mentioned 39 times. Shows you where God places an emphasis. He's Lord first and he's Savior. Lordship is the position he holds. Salvation is what he has done for me. Let me say that again. Lordship is the position he holds. Salvation is what he has done for me. And so we need to submit to the Lordship of Christ. The second thing is, is this thing of abiding in him is, is to worship Jesus. See, worshiping God is much more than just singing a few songs. The concept of worship is very wide, but the understanding of worship is very shallow, I've found, particularly in, in the church. And when we grow in our understanding of who God is and, and worship, and that, what that does, it empowers us with authority and gives us vision and experience much broader relationship with who Jesus is. And so I want to look at three things with regards to worship. And then we'll be done. The first is this, is that worship, we worship God because he is worthy of worship. You know, the word worship comes from two words, worth and ship. We worship God because he is worthy. God does not need us to worship him. God doesn't need anything. If he needed something, he wouldn't be God. He, he doesn't need anything, but he knows that when we worship him, it's for our benefit. And so we worship him because he is worthy. God is infinitely worthy of our worship and worship goes on into eternity. And uh, the Bible says that every tribe, every tongue, every nation uh, in history, past, present and future and into eternity will worship God. Why do we worship God? Well, we worship him because he's worthy. He's worthy of our worship. Worship is a concept of wonder. It's so easy to lose the wonder and the magnificence and the glory of who God is. You know, the Israelites didn't perish in the wilderness because of a lack of wonders. They had signs of wonders around them all the time. They perished because of a lack of wonder. They lived with the miraculous all the time. Water coming out of rocks, Red Sea opening up, manna falling from heaven. But they couldn't see the extravagance and the generosity and the love of their father and the magnificence of his glory. They couldn't see that in the everyday manner because they had become familiar with it. Wonder is when we look at things with fresh eyes every day. It's like when a child looks at something for the very first time. I remember a couple of years ago, we, we brought some Nepalese youngsters over to us two of them that came over from Nepal to spend some time at Bryanson for a couple of months and they had never ever seen the sea before and so we took them down to hole in the wall at the wild coast and I'll never forget their face when they saw the sea for the first time the waves crashing and they just stood with big wide open eyes saying wow look at this wow and then they ran into the sea and I was a little bit nervous because I thought these guys can't even swim and they ran, wow look at this it was amazing that's how we are to see Jesus all the time. Don't lose your wonder of who God is. We need to be childlike in experiencing God every single day. We worship because he is worthy. He is infinitely worthy of all things under the earth, above the earth and on the earth. 
Let everything have that has breath. Praise the Lord, the scripture tells us. Worship should be 24-7. That's the norm in heaven. Did you know that? 24-7 worship and worship of, of who God is. Why? Because he's worthy. If you look at a Bible, the only appropriate response to the never-ending beauty, the never-ending glory, the never-ending righteousness, the never-ending love and worth of who God is, the only appropriate response is perpetual worship of God. Bill Johnson puts it this way. He says, you become like the thing you worship. We are controlled by the thing that we worship. If you worship money, you're going to be controlled by money. If you worship your family, you're going to be controlled by your family. If you worship your career, you're going to be controlled by it. If you worship Jesus, you're going to be controlled by Jesus. His worth is never ending. It's unsearchable. And his praise should be never ending in our hearts. Worship is not about feelings. It's not a suggestion. It's a command from God. It's our response to who he is. The second thing about worship is we, when we worship, it brings us into agreement with God. There's a worship leader. His name's Rick Pino. Some of you might know American guy. And he says prayer is like an agreement with what God says. Worship is an agreement with who God is. And so when we worship, our perspective comes into agreement with God's perspective. You see, he doesn't, we don't, he doesn't come into line with us. No, no, no. We get into line with God's perspective. When we worship, our mindset, our heart, our posture, our reality comes into agreement with God's reality. We literally enter into the throne room of grace and come into agreement with everything that is with heaven when we worship God. Jesus prayed this. He said, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let your reality in heaven come on earth as it is in heaven. When we worship, we are literally aligning up with heaven's perspective with God's unlimited nature, and we see nothing that is impossible with God. With man, things are impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. The purpose of corporate worship, gathering together and worshiping God corporately, apart from the obvious, is that corporate worship brings corporate unity, which is a precursor to the corporate breakthrough that I believe God wants to usher into the world today. And what happens when we come into agreement with God is that when we go from the realm of impossibility to the realm of possibility, we go into this thing of uh, nothing is impossible with God. And we step into a place called exceedingly abundantly more than ever we could ask or imagine. We step into that realm when we worship God. What's impossible for man is possible for God. That's the place that we step into when we begin to worship. And when we worship over our situation, when we worship over our church, when we worship over our region, what happens is we, we are lining up with what heaven's agenda is and agreement with heaven for our situation and for our place. And that brings me to the third point. Third point is this. 
when we worship, we are enthroning God in that place. In Psalm 22 verse 3, it says, Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. The best way to dethrone a principality and power is not to shout and scream and yell at the devil. No, it's by enthroning Jesus, the greatest power, the greatest authority in the whole of the cosmos. Is he is enthroned on the praises of his people. When we lift him up, his authority comes. And when we worship Jesus, we are literally establishing the throne of God over that place and in our lives. And when God sits on his throne, he brings his kingdom with him. In other words, the government of God, the authority of God, the rule of God comes when we worship him, the kingdom of God, into our situation, into our cities, into our families, into our towns, into our marriages, into our workplace. When we worship him over those things, the authority and the rulership of God, the throne of God comes. Isn't that amazing? Worship is powerful. With worship and anxiety cannot coexist. Worship and fear cannot coexist. Worship and stress cannot coexist. Worship and, and burdens cannot coexist. Why? Because those things do not fall part of the kingdom of God. When we worship, there's a superior heaven reality that wants to invade our current reality. And the way we do that is by exalting him in all his beauty and all his wonder and all his worth. We exalt him and we synchronize our reality with heaven's reality and enthrone God in that place. Over our cities, over our families, over our marriages, over our finances, over our careers, over everything. I think the Father is calling us in this time to abide in him, to live in him, to surrender completely and to worship him. So let me ask you this. Why are you holding on? To that one acre in your heart. Why are you holding on to that patch? Let it go. Second thing is how hungry are you? How desperate are you? How thirsty are you for the more of God? Let's surrender to the Lordship of God. Let's worship Jesus. Why? Because he is worthy of our worship. Let's abide in him. I trust that you've had a, got something out of this this morning. And uh, we love you guys. We're praying for you. God bless. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that it was a blessing to you. If you want to connect with us further, log on to our website, venturechurch.co.za or connect with us on our various social pages, Instagram and Facebook.